The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Blessed are you. Blessed are you whose sins are forgiven, whose whose faults and transgressions has, have been removed as far as the east are from, uh, are from the west. Blessed are you. I wanted to start with that, with pushing that truth deep in your hearts because that's how Jesus started his Sermon on the Mount. If you haven't figured it out yet, we are back in the Sermon on the Mount. It's been six years since we went into this together. And six years ago, if you can believe it's been that long, we took the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. So we, 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 if you want to, go back. We looked at the blessed statements of Jesus. We, we looked at that you are salt and light. We looked at how every single word that comes out of Jesus' mouth matters. And um, if you can pick it up from six years ago, we're going to try to do that because I want to move into the rest of Matthew chapter five now. We never got there six years ago. So we're going to pick it up today Matthew chapter 5, we're going to, throughout these, these weeks in the season of Epiphany, we're going to go just one theme at a time from Jesus, one, one theme at a time. So, so this week, it is about anger, and it's about anger's role or, or lack of a role in, in reconciliation. So I want to ask you to please stand. This is the gospel lesson. And um, we're, follow along with me if you, uh, in your bulletins on page 10. If you're at home, Page, open your Bibles to Jesus' great Sermon on the Mount, and um, let's pick it up there at verse 21. Here's what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, or airhead, is answerable to the court. And again, anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. So this is a this is a hypothetical scenario that is played out in front of my eyes over and over and over again now over the years. Uh, a couple comes to me and they explain to me that they're having marriage problems. They say, "Well, come in and let's talk it over." 
And so the, the first meeting usually goes along these lines. What, what I want to do as a pastor is do a sort of spiritual diagnosis. So I, I ask a question something like this, like, can you explain to me what's going on? And, and so the wife will say something like this. Well, my husband is this way. And he always does this. And he never does this. And it's all his fault. That's basically how it comes out. Sometimes the husband interrupts her. Sometimes he doesn't. But he almost always sits there fidgeting. And, and, and I have this amazing view, see, as a pastor, and I'm attending to everything that they're saying and their body positions and all of these different things, trying to do a little bit of a diagnosis. And then I say, okay, husband, what do you think is going on? And the husband says, well, she's not quite right. Actually, she's quite wrong because she's like this. And she's always doing this, and she never does this. And at the end of the day, she blames him, and he blames her. And I'm sitting there thinking, the conditions, see, and this is where the title for the sermon comes from, the conditions for reconciliation are not good. Not good at all. And as you come here to church today, I think that it's safe to say that married or not, all of us have relationships out there that are struggling, relationships that maybe have completely ruptured, and we're wondering, how can there be reconciliation? Well, Jesus, I don't want to promise too much today. We're not, I'm not going to give you a step-by-step a, a -step guide to how to be reconciled, but I do, I do think Jesus gives us a strong teaching and a good teaching and a healthy teaching about the right conditions for reconciliation. And here's what they are. I'm going to give them to you right now. The right conditions, the good conditions for reconciliation are hearts that are convicted, hearts that are empowered, and finally, a third thing would be, would be hearts, hearts that are urgent about being reconciled. So I want to show you the first one, hearts that are convicted. First, what Jesus does is he, he convicts us, not only, not only morally, but spiritually before God. He, he, he says, it, it used to be that people thought, that people really thought that what the scriptures were saying with the fifth commandment, that when it says, you shall not murder, all it was doing was referring to the outward behavior. That as long as you didn't pick up a knife or a gun and kill somebody, you're good. But Jesus says that teaching is heresy. He says what, what the Bible really means what the will of God really is, is, is not only is it wrong to kill somebody with a knife or a gun, but it's also wrong to diminish them or to be angry with them or to reduce them with your anger. He says, he says if you go up to somebody or even thinking in your heart, you fool, 
You're dancing on the cracked glass of hell. That's what he says. If you go up to someone or, or you're thinking in your heart, you idiot, and you diminish them and you show contempt to them, you have, you have killed them. See, that's what Jesus is teaching us here. All of this, he says, deserves judgment from God, the same judgment that you would get if you murdered someone. So here's the point. The conditions for reconciliation begin, the good conditions for reconciliation begin vertically. That's what he's saying. When you have a right relationship with God. Now, think back with me for a second. Think back with me about those, those relationships in your life that are struggling or maybe even ruptured. And I want you now then to realize that usually what rises up in your heart when you think about those people that, that frustrate you, maybe they've hurt you. Maybe you feel that even your, your anger is, is righteous and good and your frustration is, is right down the way that, that God would want it to be. I want you to hear this now. Jesus says, it's not good. Jesus says, it's not okay. And it's not okay by a long shot. He actually says, the longer, the longer that you guard that anger in, the, in your life and in your heart, the worse it becomes in your relationship with God. Because think about it this way. God has so loved you that he has redeemed you with his only son, but that is also true of the person that you now are diminishing with your anger and your hate. God has loved, that person is in relationship with you. That person is a brother or a sister. And when you kill them with verbally or emotionally, you reduce them in your heart, you are doing that to one of Jesus' brothers or sisters. And that's not okay. Jesus says. It's so interesting, isn't it? Like, like um, today, it, we pay people. We actually pay people for this. We pay, we pay therapists so that we can express our anger to them. And Jesus, he, will, he just won't have any of it. He says that's, that's comparable to murder. And until you get that, until you realize it, it's not okay for me to be angry, we don't have good conditions for reconciliation. Because an angry heart is not a good condition for reconciliation, but a convicted heart, a convicted heart before God is. That's the first condition that makes good conditions, good soil for reconciliation. Here's the second one. Jesus does something surprising in this teaching. He, he, makes, he makes a radical turn. He says, be, this, this, this is so different than, than our world. Wow, Siri is like talking right now. This is so different than our world. Everyone in the world is, is such a victim today, aren't they? Like so much victimhood, but Jesus won't have it. In fact, what he lays out in front of us today are two very different scenarios in the rest of, in, in the rest of his teaching. Two, two scenarios. The first one is ecclesiastical. It's in the church. The second is secular. The, the, the first one has to do with a brother or sister in the faith or, or, or a brother or sister in the family. You know, take your pick. Or 
he, he talks about an adversary, someone who's an unbeliever, and he's taking you to court. And in, so in this first scenario, in this first scenario, the person's going to church, they're going to offer their offering, and then you remember, oh, somebody's got something against me. You see, in Jesus' way of thinking, you're not the victim. The other person is. And he says, leave your gift then before the altar and go make it right. And then Jesus, he's got this other scenario. And in this scenario, your adversary is taking you to court. But guess what? You deserve it. That's what he says. He says you deserve it. He, he assumes that if it gets all the way to court, you'll lose. And guess what? You're not going to get out of jail until you've paid back every single penny. Now, I want you to understand what this means then. Jesus is not saying that the other party doesn't have any fault. He's not saying that. He's speaking this to each person individually. Yes, they have fault. But he doesn't want you to dwell on the other person's fault for even a second. Not here. What he's saying is he's saying, look inside and get introspective with yourself because you're guilty here too. That's what he assumes. It's a really, it's a really important thing. I've, I've heard people say this. I've heard people say this. They say, they say sometimes to me or sometimes to each other, they'll say something like, Pastor, we'll reconcile if they ask for forgiveness. Have you heard that before? They got to ask for forgiveness. Now, there's two things wrong with thinking that way. The first is, is it assumes that you are completely guiltless in the situation. And maybe, maybe, just maybe you are, but I doubt it. Jesus assumes that you're not. The second thing that it, it does, and think about this. When you say, this relationship is dead until they act, you have completely disempowered yourself. You've said, if they make the first move, if they apologize, if they do this, then. You have, you, you have made yourself a complete victim forever and ever, and the only thing that's left for you to do is pray, which is a good thing to do. But Jesus doubts that it's the only thing that you can do. What Jesus is teaching us here is something that is utterly empowering. He says, when you can, when you can see spiritually what you've done wrong, when you can confess and, and, and admit it out loud because because you trust so much in the forgiveness of sins from God, then your heart is now empowered. And that's a good condition. That's a good heart condition for reconciliation. So those are, those are the first two. Those are the first two. A convicted heart and an empowered heart make for good conditions for reconciliation. Here's the final one. Here's the final thing an urgent heart i want to go back to you for just a second to those those two different scenarios 
uh, that Jesus gives in this text. And one of the things that you're going to see right away is the urgency that Jesus has. The urgency. So in the first scenario, you're, you're, maybe you're about to take communion. That's what the Lutherans used to do, actually. Did you know that? That the Lutheran pastors used to don't take communion. Don't take communion until you've reconciled. That's what they would say. So you're going to communion, and then you realize, nuts. I remember that I've offended somebody. And you turn around. And before you leave your gift or you take communion, you go and make it right. That's urgency, isn't it? Like, I, I can't even wait for worship to end before I'm going to go reconcile with my brother or sister. Or the, look at the other scenario, too. He says, quickly. He says, do it on the way. That's right away. Like, Jesus prioritizes it. He says, this is important. Don't wait till tomorrow to reconcile. And that means, that means that whatever you've got going on with somebody, now's the best time. Tomorrow's not the best time. Now is the right time. This is an urgent call to married couples. Christians cannot sustain dry and sexless marriages. They shouldn't reconcile with each other. This, this is an urgent call to families, to husband, to, to fathers and, and mothers and, and sons and daughters and, and brothers and sisters. And we can't let this go on. That's what Jesus says. We need to be different from the world. This is, this is an urgent call to, to, to fellow members of the church, to neighbors and coworkers and, and everything in between, that, that this is an urgent call to reconcile while we're still on the way because we are on the way. Thanks be to God. We're on the way to glory. And that, is the last and final good condition for reconciliation. I want you to reimagine with me just for a second as we close this out. A married couple comes into my office. We're going to reimagine the scene. And they come to me and they say, Pastor, I've been angry for too long and frustrated. And I, I, I just cannot risk my relationship with God. Not any longer. I can't do it. I know it's wrong. And pastor, I've got a long list of sins that I've committed against my husband. And I need help. And pastor, I don't want to go home today until I'm reconciled with him. And then the husband says, pastor, I got to interrupt because I've been angry too. And I don't want to be anymore. I know I'm forgiven. <laughs> and I've got a longer list than her. And I've been a really bad husband. See. And I agree with her. We agree that we're not going home until this is fixed. 
you see it? That, that right there in that, right there, is right and good conditions for reconciliation. That's Jesus' teaching for us today. May God help us. Amen. Please stand. Let's confess our common and Christian faith.